Welcome to the Wealth and Wellness Podcast with me, Kaylee Boisvert. I specialize in helping people to achieve their financial goals. I have a love for all things numbers, and I am passionate about financial literacy. My goal is to spark healthy and positive conversations around wealth and investment and create a world where nobody is limited by their financial situation. But wealth is just one piece in the equation of living our best lives. So join me as we explore both wealth and wellness topics. From your net worth to your self-worth, get ready to take confident action. Hello, this is Kaylee, and thank you so much for sharing your valuable time to listen to this episode of the Wealth and Wellness Podcast. This is an important wealth topic I'm discussing on this episode, and it's all about financial resolutions for the new year. So the new year is always a great time to do a reset, refresh, restart. Got a lot of R words. Anything else you want to add? (laughs) And it's an opportune time to do some thinking and goal planning around your money. So let's let 2022 be the year of money mastery for you. All right, so first, I think it's so important to take a moment to write down your financial goals and aspirations for the new year. So grab a pen and paper, pause this podcast, um, and this is the work part of it, the homework. Take a few minutes and write down what are your financial goal. Maybe it's you have one goal, maybe multiple goals, goals, aspirations for what you want to accomplish in the new year and actually write these down. So I'm telling you, get a piece of paper, get a pen, pause me, or pause me and put it in the notes section in your phone if you're you know, walking or something like that. But actually writing things down is so powerful to really committing to making them happen. So taking that extra few minutes might feel like it's not making a difference, Just do it though. I promise you it is, okay? Um, Maybe in this writing of your your new goals or what your goals are for 2022, um, take some time to reflect on last year. And is there anything you would have changed or would have you done differently or you want to do differently for this year? So that might be the inspiration for, you know, what ideas come up for what you want to see for 2022. Um, When you're writing down your goals, be as specific as possible. So, we all know that about goals that like let's be as specific because we're more likely to work towards them if we're specific Um, because then it's not as daunting it's not this you know this big sort of daunting you know large task to take on and the question mark is well where do I even start or how do I even measure this if I do it so again it has to be specific measurable Uh, what are the other ones smart goals right so um so you know some examples might be pay off my visa credit card in 2022 so it has zero balance Um, it might be set up an auto deposit uh, each pay period of um five hundred dollars into my registered retirement savings plan um create an emergency or rainy day fund of four months worth of expenses Um, max out my tax-free savings account put $2,500 into my child's registered education savings plan to max out the grant matching for 2022. Again, get specific, as specific as you can. Um, You know what you're really trying to achieve here. So, and only you are going to see this, right? You don't have to show it to anyone. So get as specific as you can be. 
okay? So again, this is the moment to pause, write it down. I know I told you pause before and then I added some things. So hopefully I have not confused you now. Pause now and write those down, okay? Okay, so you've paused, you've written those down. Okay, now while getting specific on the goal, um, again, okay, so now I'm adding more after. Okay, but now that you have the goal, um, maybe it's after this podcast and and um, it's really creating the plan of action. So how you're going to achieve this, um, how you're going to accomplish it or when you want to accomplish it by. Maybe it's you have several goals or one goal and it, they have different dates and time frames. Again, because you're getting very specific. So maybe it was that pay off my visa credit card, which maybe got a little out of control over the holidays or whatnot and have it paid off by, you know, February 25th or something like that. So again, these are just examples, whatever it is for you, have that plan of action because it's great to have the goal, but what's going to support you to actually achieving it is just your plan of action. And um, again, I, I think there is an awareness, you know, you know, what's realistic, what you can achieve. And again, reflect on past years of what has happened. So don't be too hard on yourself. Don't set the goals where they're really unrealistic, where it doesn't feel like it's going to be possible, or you'd have to basically, you know, stop eating out or stop eating food altogether to come up with the extra money to pay something off or add this money somewhere else. So let's be realistic as well with these goals. Um, keep your list somewhere that you can review it. So again, maybe it's the notes on your phone. Um, maybe it's in a journal or something like that. And set a reminder in your calendar on when you want to check in by. Because I think that's the biggest thing with our New Year's goals and resolutions. We lose sight of them because life gets busy. You know, things happen and it completely maybe slips our mind when we, we're we all amped and ready to set it in January. And then, of course, things happen and come up and, and we're right back on, you know, our our busy life schedules. And, and it might just be completely something we forget or we don't ever look back at. And, and so to make this something that you really execute on, set a reminder as you're doing this right now in your calendar, say, okay, I'm going to check in on this, you know, on March 15th to see where I'm at, where my progress is and track my progress. Or, um, you know, maybe I'm going to check in on this for sure mid-year and make sure I'm at this point by that, you know, that time or anything like that. So again, we're being specific on the goal. Um, we're creating a plan of action on how you're going to achieve it. You're being realistic and being, you know, giving yourself grace, um, you know, plan in for some unforeseen foreseen circumstances. Because when it comes to money, these are oftentimes going to be money goals. Um, when it comes to money, things come up, things happen that you might not have planned for. So have that built in as well. And then again, keep your list somewhere, review it check in on it, put the reminders in your calendar now, and then they're just going to pop up when the date comes. Okay, so that's the first thing I want everyone to do is really take that time, um, have those goals. So now that you have some big money goals, I also want to share with you some additional suggestions that I've come up with for you. So those that activity was you coming up on your own with things. Because again, I think, you know, we're all aware and we know what we need or want, so that's important. But I wanna give you some additional suggestions for positive money behaviors or resolutions for 2022. Again, these are just ideas. If you're already doing some of them, 
maybe you're even doing all of them, fabulous, you get an A+, plus. Um, that's amazing. But if once I'm going through this list, if there's, if you know, if it seems like a lot, if it's overwhelming, maybe it's your time to just focus on one or two that you want to commit to as well this year. Um, any action though taken around your money that you commit to that you've not previously been doing is amazing because it's going to provide a positive result. When it comes to your money and you're taking action and you're doing something, it, you know, nothing, nothing bad can come of that. It's positive. It's great. You're going in the positive direction. Okay. So resolution suggestion number one, get to know all about your money. I talk about this a lot on this podcast. So hopefully that lets you know is important. Here I go talking about it again. Um, but it is, it is important. So Having an awareness about your money is so vital to every other piece of your financial life. If you don't feel like you have a good understanding about your money, take some time and get to know it. Start by taking inventory of everything. So all your accounts, approximate balances, um, your mortgage info, approximate balance of what's owing if you have a mortgage, um, all your assets and all your liabilities, essentially, you want to have that inventory and awareness of what they are. List everything you may owe. So again, liabilities, your loans, credit cards, mortgage balance, and everything um, you own as far as assets. Um, so again, investment um, account balances. Um, so maybe it's like tax deferred accounts, um, retirement account balances, things like that. And that's going to create your net worth statement. So again, everything you own is your assets versus everything you owe your liabilities in a separate column. Um, and again, construct this in any way that works for you. It's basically though, just having some one master location of the inventory that is your finances. Okay. And this is so beneficial too for couples. It's a fabulous exercise to do together. So you're on the same page when it comes to your household finances. So you both are in the know of where you stand, where you're at. Um, another important step to getting to know your money is having an understanding of income versus expenses. So usually people break this down on a monthly basis, what income versus expenses are and Again, if that's generally how you're paid and how you pay bills, you're probably going to look at it on a monthly basis. Um, but again, having an understanding of cash flow, it's really what you want to be in the know when it comes to your money. And it's going to help you understand your money, knowing what's coming in, knowing what's going out each month, because from that you can create goals. You can say, oh, okay, you know, I have this much extra every month. I'm going to make sure I'm putting that towards my emergency account or something like that. But again, you're not going to be able to really get as specific as you want to in your goals if you don't have this awareness and knowledge about your money. So that's resolution idea number one. Resolution idea number two, take control of your spending. Um, it's very easy to spend money and you can find ways to spend money every day on all sorts of things everywhere we go there's things to spend money on um, but taking control of your spending is a powerful step in being a money master and building wealth because anything you're not spending is what you're getting to keep it doesn't just disappear and go nowhere it's what you're getting to hold on to um, a lot of guilt comes up around spending money and it's when we're spending money in ways that don't align with your values is most often when you're going to have that guilt. So 
When you're in control of your money um, and taking control of your spending, you're likely going to have less of those instances coming up of of guilt purchases and spending because you're going to be more diligent about being intentional. You know, if you're saying things like, okay, I'm in control of my spending. What are things that are important to me? What matters to me? I love adventure. I'm going to be putting away a certain amount of money every month to take this trip of a lifetime. You know, I haven't been able to travel for some time now and this is my goal and I'm going to have money saved up because I'm going to take this trip in 2022 or 2023 or whatever that looks like for you. Um, But again, you're in control, you're deciding, and then you might be less inclined to be like at the mall and you see these, you know, fabulous shoes that you don't necessarily need and you're like, nah, you know what? I think that money is better put into that goal I have of my travel and adventure because that's so important to me. Um, So that's really that taking control of your spending. It's being intentional. So if that sounds like a good plan, but you're still, you still struggle with the temptations of spending, completely okay. Um, what are some ideas that might help with that? Well, taking an inventory of what you typically spend in a month and on different categories, it is going to help. And I know that's a painful exercise. Probably some people listening is like, ah, I don't want to know, or it's almost like we're in denial or I don't know, or it's, it's, that's not the funnest task to do, but it's very important because what it's going to do is alert you to the different categories you spend money and maybe you're actually spending a lot more in a certain category than you're aware of. And seeing that is very powerful because then you can actually decide to make a change once you've seen it. But if it's not and we don't have the awareness, of course, we can't change something we're not aware of. So you have to take that first step of actually taking the inventory of what you're spending and what the categories are that you're spending money on. Um, and then look, do a deeper dive and say, is there anything that can be easily eliminated. Sometimes what's going to pop up is something like a subscription you don't use anymore. Um, Are there any luxuries you can scale back on? So, oh wow, I've been spending a lot of money eating out. You know, I don't want to be spending that much every month. I want to scale back on that. And that's something I realistically can do. And this is going to be my eating out budget from now on. And um, so, you know, that might come up as well from that exercise. Um, Another idea for taking control of your spending is just that recording ongoing everything you're spending for one full week because it gives you an extra task and and thing to do and so it might actually stop some of those impulse purchases um, because you're like, yeah, I don't want to have to write that down. (laughs) Just I'd rather not. I'll just wait till I get home to have a snack or something like that Um, rather than going, oh no, I have to write that down for my tracking of my spending in real time. Another idea is reducing the number of payment methods to simplify things. So maybe you use, you know, you have a couple credit cards and a debit card and you sort of just grab whatever is most accessible when you're paying for things. Um, it can get confusing and, and it's, again, hard to tell, well, where I'm, what am I actually spending? If you have all these different payment methods, um, they're all sort of scattered and you might be spending more than you realize. But again, it's not all in one place. It's not easy to follow. So reducing number of payment methods can be helpful as well. Um, using cash, that's one that people use that's helpful. Like, so having a sort of cash amount in their wallet each week and when that runs out, there's, you know, no more discretionary spending. You can also set some rules for yourself. So you can say, okay, anything that costs 
a larger amount. So anything maybe over a $200 price range, I have to think about for at least 24 hours or 48 hours. So that can help, you know, slow down those impulse purchases. Cause oftentimes we make purchases, we walk away and, you know, the next day or later on, you're like, I didn't really need that. Um, so you can save yourself from some of those or maybe all of those, which is great. Um, you can have no spend days. So that's another great idea. Challenge yourself to have some no spend days. So how that works is just like it sounds. You just don't spend money for an entire day. Um, and they're actually really hard. <laughs> like I said, there's, you know, the minute you leave the house, you don't even have to leave the house. You can just do online shopping to spend money. But it's very easy to spend money every day. So challenge yourself to have you know, if you don't have any no spend days, it's like, okay, I'm going to do one a week. Okay, I'm going to do a couple a week. Um, those are all really good ideas as well if you're looking to take control of spending. Okay, that was number two. So resolution number three, which is a fabulous one to follow our second one. And, we're, you know, where you're taking control of spending. So number three is now save more money. So maybe, you know, you've done number two to control your spending. You have some extra money to spare now that you've taken control and and so you can jump onto resolution three which is about saving more um if you're saving money already fabulous but i challenge you to up that amount and save more and you might be saying well why what for you don't need a purpose you don't need a purpose to save money um having more money saved is never a bad thing it could mean you know getting to retire years earlier it can mean going on your dream vacation it can mean um, just having extra peace of mind to take on any curveballs that life may throw your way. So uh, save more money. If you're already saving, what if you can up it a bit? What if you up that amount by 2% or 3% or anything? I just challenge you to do that. And it just might not have come to mind because you're like, well, I'm already saving. But um, saving money is money that you get to keep for you. So at the end of the day, the person that benefits is you from saving more. You know, it's not going to some, you know, secret person or um, <laughs> someone snatching it behind the scenes. It's really saving more money is just for you. And so that's that's fabulous. Um, so pay yourself first. Um, whenever you make money, automate it. So you have some going into your savings bucket. So it's a good idea to just have it automated. Every paycheck, have a portion go into your savings buckets or whatnot. But again, automating it is very helpful um, because it's just happening in the background less tasks for you and then you're more inclined to just make sure that that's happening. Um, so that's number three. Moving on to resolution idea number four. Um, it's all about having or building your rainy day fund. So some people might call that also an emergency fund. It can also be known as that. I don't like to say that because then we're putting it out there, um, you know, welcoming in emergencies. We don't want emergencies happening in our life. So let's say a rainy day or, a, you know, make your own name for it. Um, but it's that money that's there, again, for peace of mind, your peace of mind fund. That's a great idea, too, to call it. Um, so how much should you have in this peace of mind account? Um, it's going to depend. And of course, it depends on things like your your job, income security from your job, um, your expenses, how much you have as monthly expenses. I mean, if you're in a state where you're already have paid off your mortgage, 
your monthly expenses are probably, you know, lower than some people that do still have a mortgage and things like that. So, you know, maybe it's a bit lower expenses you have as a result. Um, so it's going to be different for everyone. Generally, if you can put away though three to six months of expenses in this peace of mind fund, um, that is ideal. Um, where do I start? So if you're saying, okay, I don't have one, I want to build one. Um, again, maybe it seems daunting. Well, incorporate it into your monthly savings. Again, have a realistic goal. Don't say, I'm going to have it saved up by the end of this month and then put yourself in a position where, again, you can't you can't eat or you can't do something like that. Be really realistic and say, hey, it might take me a year to accumulate this extra money Um you know, in the background as I'm getting paid and things like that. And that's completely okay. So do what's realistic to you. Maybe incorporate it with your monthly savings. Create a separate account for it. So don't have it though, you know, go into part of your checking account or something like that because you want to have it a separate spot for it. So you really know the progress, where it's at, where it stands and, you know, when it gets to a point where you feel comfortable enough of as far as balance. Um, be mindful of getting a return on your cash. Again, rates are really low right now. Interest rates are low, which means rates that you can kind of get on cash balances. They're quite low, but again, just be mindful of that. Every little bit helps. So see what your bank has as far as like a high interest um, savings kind of idea. Or are they offering any promos or things like that? And again, having this rainy day, this um, peace of mind account, it's, it's, it's empowering. It, it helps you really feel in control knowing that you have that. Um, so then you're not on edge about what if something came up? What if an unbuilt, unplanned bill arises? Um, and if we can relieve a lot of that stress and, and fear around monies, around money, it's, it, you know, it's not occupying space in your mind then because it's the minute we're giving energy to these thoughts, we have this, uh-oh, what if something came up? I don't have anything extra. How would I pay for it? It's this terrible thought process you go on and it's not, it doesn't lead to any positive feelings around money. It's stressful. It's, you're on edge, you're anxious. If you can have this, account, if anything, it's going to stop that thought process and just go, hey, I, if something were to come up, I got this. So now I don't have to even think about that. I don't have to worry about that. So it's it's very powerful, more powerful than just having money stashed away. Like it's it represents something that's really important for our mindset around money. So again, that's really important to have in place. Um, number five, consolidate and simplify. So I love just simplifying things, making things easier. Let's not complicate it because the minute we complicate money and have all these different moving parts and moving pieces, it's it gets confusing. It seems daunting and it's just like, meh, I don't, <laughs> don't want to have to deal with it. I don't know how much money I have. I don't know. Um, it's everywhere. So a lot of people say, you know, money's confusing, but a lot of the time, the people that are saying money's confusing are making it confusing. So that's a true statement for them because they have made money confusing. If you have 10 different accounts, two different advisors, accounts scattered everywhere in different institutions, then I would agree that it, money's confusing. <laughs> there's a lot. Hopefully you have some sort of spreadsheet that pulls it all together because if you don't, that's confusing. Um, so to start the new year, commit to simplifying things. If you have 
random small accounts hanging out there. And again, they happen as we go through life and get different jobs and things like that. You might have a work plan and then you start a new job and, and that account sort of just sits there dormant. And then you, you know, there's, that's a manual life and then you have a new sun life plan and then you have a new pension and then you have an RSP and a TFSA and um, it's all over the place and you can't even keep track and, and you forget you might even have some of these accounts. Like that's not a good place to be. We want to, again, we want to be in the know with your money. So bring it all together, bring what you can together, whatever can come together as one, I, I highly suggest to do so because it, it does simplify things. It does make it easy, more straightforward. Um, you know, when we talk about diversification, it doesn't mean that you have to be spread everywhere. Like diversification is more so how we talk about investing and taking an approach where, you know, we're looking at investing in the U.S. and Canada and internationally. And, you know, we're investing in in household companies and consumer goods and technology and um yeah, like all those things. That's really what diversification means. It doesn't mean that you have to be diversified with every firm that exists in your country. <laughs> that's it doesn't have to be that way because again, it just gets complicated. You lose track of things. You don't want to lose money, right? We never want to lose money. Um we never want to lose sight of it or lose track of it. We want to pay attention. We want to know what's out there. Um, so bringing the things can, together can also benefit you from reducing fees. Maybe you're saving on annual fees or reducing um, like fee rates or things like that because you oftentimes are going to get discounts for larger balances or bundling or having, you know, accounts at certain places. They sometimes waive certain fees and things like that. So it, it does benefit you if you can consolidate too and simplify. Um, and it helps with a thorough understanding of your investment allocation. Again, that diversification element. Well, if I were to ask you, you know, how much do you have invested internationally and how much in Canada and the U.S. as far as you know, equity exposure. So when I say equity, it's like stock exposure. How much do you have in the tech sector versus um, in financials or something like that? Those are hard questions to answer if you have lots of accounts everywhere. So again, bringing it together, it's going to help simplify it. So that was number five. Resolution number six. I love this one. So anyone that has kids, this is an important one. I would love you to commit to. It's all about talking to your kids about money and raising money savvy kids. That is the best gift you can give to the next generation. Um, you know, we teach kids all sorts of things and they learn all sorts of things in school. Um, but money is not one of them. Money's not one of them that's, you know, strongly taught upon or learned or, you know, financial literacy. It's not a big topic in school. And, and I hope that changes. And I'm really optimistic that that is changing. But we're still in a position where I think there's lots to learn about money. And it's one of those things that if they're not learning it in school, us as parents, we have to really take the lead on that. And it's it comes down to just talking to your kids about money. Money is something we interact with on probably a daily basis. And so there's all sorts of opportunities to have conversations with them about money. Um, you know, we teach our kids to to drive. They get their learner's permit at 14. So we're we're optimistic enough that they're able to drive a vehicle. Why can't we teach them about money and trust that they're able to make, you know, money decisions and learn about money? Um, it's so, so important. Probably more important than driving a car, right? They need the money to buy the car. So 
let's like this is the important lesson this is the things that have to be taught and that that miracle of compound interest it's so powerful the sooner you get started it's all about time and when you start and it's if you can let something compound 30 years 40 years 50 years and that might seem like too many years if you're already in your you know, 40s and things like that, you're like, well, I'm not going to work till I'm 90 um, and keep saving and only start spending my money then. But it's very realistic numbers, you know, for your 10 year old, if they can start saving, they can have 50 years of compounding growth. Like it's crazy. And the power it makes and what it can create is just amazing. So if you're kicking yourself for getting a late start, well, what can you do? I mean, you can change that for the next generation. You can say, well, I don't want that to happen for my kids, right? We don't need to be that generation that's like, well, I had to walk uphill both ways. And so you have to do it too. <laughs> Let's not do that. Let's be kind and, and put them on the right path and, and you know, get in the way. And if we're teaching them young, like have it then just force them, right? They're getting all this money from their grandparents or things like that. Just say to them, okay, that's going to your savings and you'll thank me later. Um, you know, that's, that's the thing about being parents and having young kids. You're like, well, I'm still the boss. So <laughs> I'm going to tell you where your money goes. Um, but I mean, you don't have to be like mean or a dictator about it, but you can set some boundaries and, and rules and, and, it's not, you know, they're going to be thanking you later when that money grows to a million dollars that you save them instead of buying an American Girl doll. They have, they're a millionaire. I'm sure they're going to be happier that they can buy all the American Girl dolls they want at that point. So teach your kids about money, communicate openly about money, give them control and decision-making power. Um, what's great about teaching kids about money is there in a, it's a safe environment. It's when we're teaching them while they're young, we can teach them about budgeting, credit cards. Um, you know, once they first get their paycheck, we can teach them these things and let them kind of see, oh, okay, if I spend it all and I run out before next payday, you know, I have to wait. And, and it's good to learn those lessons when you're young because when you're learning them, later on, I mean, it can have a lot bigger, you know, mistakes and risks. If you're learning just what a credit card is, you know, in your early 20s, because you got one and maxed it out and, you know, didn't even realize. And now you're paying, you know, 18% plus interest on a balance that you're not able to pay down. Um, it's not something that that's a thing that you don't want to have to learn later on. You don't want to learn it the hard way. Again, let's help them. Let's support them. So these diligent behaviors of saving, of putting a little bit of way each month for themselves, for the long term, that they're getting these skills. Um, it's so powerful, so important. If you don't have kids of your own, maybe it's nieces and nephews and other young children in your life, like encourage it, get involved, answer questions, talk about money, talk about, you know, how we build wealth and um, what it, what investing is. Like Warren Buffett, financially successful, an amazing, you know, mentor when it comes to what, what investing, successful investing could look like. And, um, you know, what did he do? He started buying stocks when he was like 13 years old. So it's, it's amazing. And, and, it's so powerful. So this one I stress so much. Um, resolution number seven, don't be afraid to get help. So not everything has to be a DIY project. Um, I appreciate that, you know, we have the internet available and we have a lot of 
tools um, available to us and accessible to us where we can do a lot more on our own. You know, we can go to YouTube and things like that and, and learn. And um, But when it comes to your money and, and investing and, and, you know, different elements of your money, like you're doing your taxes and things like that, if it's not your passion, know that getting support is fine. It doesn't mean that you're failing in the money game. It doesn't mean that you're going to, you know, be worse off or anything like that. It's just, it's you deciding, hey, this isn't my strong, you know, that my strength and I know that my money needs time, attention. It needs, you know, that long-term care and attention. I just don't have the ability to consistently give it that. And that's why I want to work with a professional. So if you're going through your head and saying, you know, I've been meaning to do this, I've been meaning to start getting invested. I'll do it when, um, you know, I learn a bit more when I read this book about finances, when I take this investing course, you know, then I will. But if it just keeps being something you're putting off, you know, it's probably a good indication that maybe it is some time to get some support and outsource it. And just, asking yourself, you know, what is my time worth? And and what do I, like, what do I want to do? What am I passionate about? Because life is about, too, doing the things we enjoy, not just putting yourself, you know, through, like, homework assignments. And (laughs) that's no fun. (laughs) Forcing yourself to do tasks that you don't want to do when there's people out there that you can um, enlist and, and, you know, have them step in. That's why they exist. That's why these services and different professionals exist. They can provide assistance where needed. There's accountants, there's lawyers, there's financial professionals. Um, Interview, find the right fit for you. Come prepared with questions. Again, there's so many people out there. And the point of that is that everyone has a little bit different of an approach and you need to find the best fit for you. Um, So, that's the, the joy of it. There's lots of professionals out there, which means there's variety. It means that there's going to be the perfect fit for you. Resolution number eight, get out of your own way. This is such a big one when it comes to money. I don't know how you like maybe plan to do this, but let me try to talk through it and we'll figure something out. So, so getting out of your own way means, you know, when you're overthinking, when you're procrastinating, not taking action, you know, when this happens, then I'll get started. You know, when I get this raise, then I'll start putting money away. Um, when we keep doing that, it's, again, it's not doing you any favors when it comes to money. There's no time like the present to get started building wealth. The best time to start building wealth was yesterday. Okay. So it was yesterday. Yesterday's gone. So when's the next best time? It's today. Um, if it's lack of confidence, Take steps to build that up, but don't hold off until you feel like you become the expert. So if you're like, well, I don't feel confident. I don't feel, you know, that I know enough about investing. Don't say, well, I need to become a genius or the next, you know, all-star investor before I get started. Say, I'm going to be taking these steps to keep building my knowledge about finances and investing and things like that. But in the meantime, I'm going to get started. Um, So don't, hold off and let that lack of confidence completely sort of derail you or push that time frame further back. Just commit to saying, hey, I'm going to start where I am and continue to build and grow and do what's realistic. Um, if you're stuck in the past with when it comes to money, move past that. It's not serving you. So if you have that, you know, hindsight, I shouldn't have bought this or I shouldn't have invested in this or this regret or money mistakes that are like, okay, I, I can't do anything because the last time I did this, you know, I lost a lot of money and I just don't even want to be in that position again. I'm just not going to do anything. I'm not going to invest again because I, you know, this was not a good experience. And, um, and you know, just dwelling on those things 
those negative experiences, um, they're not serving you and they're not putting you in a good headspace to, you know, being productive and working towards your goals. So again, when it's getting out of our own way, it doesn't have to be complicated. Let's keep it simple. When it starts to feel not easy or fun, ask yourself, how can I make this less complicated? How can I make this easier? That's all we can do when it comes to getting out of our own way. Um, So it's really diving into the deeper into the thoughts and mindset that comes up around money. So hearing that kind of inner voice and and where it's coming up and when it's coming up and and sort of writing that down or looking deeper on what is that. Um, Money shouldn't be stressful. So again, if it is, you need to find ways to simplify it. You need to find ways to make it easier. It doesn't have to be. And like I said, there's professionals out there that can support you all sorts, no matter where you are on your money journey. So if you feel like, you know, this is a lost cause or I don't even know where to start, there's money coaches, there's budgeting coaches, there's, um, you know, there's investing courses you can take. Like there's all sorts of things. There's something, like I said, there's something out there for you. So no matter what you think it is, or if you think it's the most complicated, or if you're ashamed or, you know, anything like that, I can assure you that as financial professionals, we've seen it all. And there's someone out there, I can assure you, there's someone out there in some sort of way that can help you if you're feeling like, I don't even know where to start or I'm stuck or something like that. So that's getting out of your own way. Okay. And that's all I have for you. So um, thank you for listening to this episode. And I want to wish absolutely everyone listening to this episode and even, you know, going beyond that, every person out there, I want to wish them a positive and abundant new year. Let's make this the best money year yet start taking action right now after you listen to this you can do this you got this i believe in you thank you so much for your time and i will catch you on the next episode i hope you found value in this episode and because i'm such a proponent of taking confident action i want to pose a question to you the listener What is one action that you feel inspired to take after listening to today's episode? If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Thank you so much, and I will catch you next time.